Welcome to the European Society of Intensive Care Medicine podcast, a collaboration between the Society's Journal, the Intensive Care Medicine Journal, and the NEXT Committee. I am Ines Lagbar, intensivist and anesthesiologist from the University Hospital of Montpellier in France, a member of the NEXT Committee. Today, we are discussing a paper entitled Sepsis-Associated Acute Kidney Injury in the Intensive Care Incidents, Patient Characteristics, Timing, Trajectory, Treatment, and Associated Outcomes, a Multicenter Observational Study. This work has been led by Dr. Kyle White, whom I'm honored to welcome today for this podcast. Dr. White is an intensivist who works in Princess Alexandra Hospital in Brisbane, Australia. Dr. White, thank you for joining us today. Without further ado, let's dive uh, thank into you. the heart of this podcast with our question and answer discussion. Let's start with the basics. A novel definition for sepsis-associated acute kidney injury was introduced recently. Could you shed some light on this? And why is it different from the other causes of acute kidney injuries? Hi, Ines. Thank you for the introduction. Yeah, so I guess, how is sepsis-associated AKI different from other causes of AKI? Well, I guess eventually time will hopefully answer that question very clearly. Um, as the unified definition is so new, there's still lots of research that's yet to be done. In saying that, the concepts of concept of sepsis-associated AKI, it's been around for some time. Um, and... I believe, and others believe, that sepsis-associated AKI likely represents a unique etiology of AKI. It's on face value, an AKI in the context of sepsis versus post-cardiac surgery versus trauma or de novo renal failure, they all seem like unique clinical problems. Therefore, it would probably not be unreasonable to consider them as separate entities. And furthermore, research into the biological mechanisms of AKI provides support for this idea with features that are specific to sepsis, such as microcirculatory dysfunction, cellular metabolic reprogramming, and a dysregulated immune response being implicated in preclinical studies. For these reasons and other reasons, the Acute Disease Quality Initiative Workgroup, they created the definition of the new definition of sepsis-associated AKI. Um, and just quickly for, the, for context, that definition combines established definitions for sepsis and AKI. So it's combined the sepsis-3 definition uh, with the KDIGO AKI definition, and it's added a temporal relationship where AKI um, cannot occur before sepsis and must occur within seven days of meeting the criteria of sepsis. Because overall, the hope is that a unified definition will facilitate research, will allow comparisons across different populations, and it may allow better understanding of the pathophysiology of sepsis-associated AKI. Eventually, the hope is that um, it could lead to the development of evidence-based guidelines and eventually improve patient outcomes. All right. Thank you very much. Um, another question would be that your study is based on data that was originally collected in the patient medical record over a six-year period from 2015 to 2021. What data did you specifically collect and on what intention? Yeah, so it, over the seven-year period, we collected a lot of um, data. Um, we collected a lot of data on the patients, such as the characteristics, age, sex, weight, comorbidities. We had information on their admission details, so why they're admitted, where they admitted from, what was the diagnosis on admission. 
And then also things including severity illness and Apache scores, as well as outcome data, such as length of stay and mortality in the ICU and hospital. And furthermore, we collected a lot of detailed data from the medical record. Um, we had we collected all observations um, done in the ICU, such as blood pressure, heart rate, temperature, and, and more. Collected all ICU therapies, so renal replacement therapy, ventilation, medications, and the, the details of those therapies, as well as any laboratory investigation done in the ICU, you know, such as blood cultures, UNEs, or blood gas results. The, the primary objective for the data collection is related to a different research study. Um, the examination of the sepsis-associated AKI was a secondary objective for the data that was collected. Um, could you provide an overview of the cohort characteristics in your study? Yeah, of course. So the I guess it's worth mentioning that the patient population in the study was extracted from 12 ICUs across the state of Queensland, which is in Northeast Australia. The catchment area for these ICUs is over 1.5 um, million square miles and was responsible for the ICU care for the majority for over the majority of over 5 million Queensland residents. So the overall cohort is probably a comprehensive collection of admissions to the ICU in the state of Queensland. And that is probably a representative sample of ICU admissions throughout Australia. The In the context of the overall cohort, the average patient um, was you know, middle-aged with a median age of 61. Just over half the patients were male, um, and they're slightly overweight with a BMI of 27, 28. And they had a median Apache 3 score of 50 on admission. Most of the patients in the study um, did not have an Apache-defined comorbidity, um, and three-quarters of them presented to hospital from home. And overall, um, admission from the operating room was the most common source with the emergency department being number two. In the group of people that were identified to have sepsis-associated AKI, they were sicker with a higher Apache 3 and SOFA scores. They had a higher lactate, they had a higher risk of death on admission. Just over half of them were ventilated and almost two thirds of them required vasopressors on admission to ICU. Not unexpectedly, they're a different type of patient um, to the overall uh, ICU cohort. As of note, the standard sepsis-associated AKI patient, they're a middle-aged patient. They were a community-dwelling individual who had no major medical comorbidities and was admitted. Thanks for breaking that down. Um, your primary hypothesis was that sepsis-associated acute kidney injury was common in patients admitted to the ICU. Did your findings corroborate this hypothesis? And can you give us the figures regarding the incidence of sepsis acute kidney injury? Yeah, of course. So I guess common's a little bit subjective and open to interpretation. However, we found that almost one in six patients admitted to the ICU ended up being classified as having sepsis-associated AKI, uh, which we thought was quite a large number and would be considered common. And when elective surgery patients are excluded from the overall cohort, it's one in four patients. Um, have sepsis-associated AKI. So we felt our findings were sufficient to corroborate our primary hypothesis that sepsis-associated AKI is common in the ICUs. Um, and specifically, of the nearly 85,000 patients that were assessed in our cohort, just over 13,000 of them met the criteria for sepsis-associated AKI. 
You also hypothesized that sepsis-associated kidney injury was not a disease of intensive care, but rather a disease that develops outside the ICU and triggers ICU admission. Did your data support this hypothesis? And what was the timing of the sepsis-associated kidney injury onset? Yeah, thanks, Anna. So I guess just to clarify, I think that sepsis-associated AKI is a disease of ICU and that the management of sepsis-associated AKI occurs in the intensive care unit. The development of the disease seems to occur prior to the ICU admission and likely even prior to presentation to hospital. Um, we've made this um, statement or conclusion um, based on the facts that most of the patients with sepsis-associated AKI were diagnosed with sepsis and AKI simultaneously on the first day in ICU. Um, and with the duration of hospital admission prior to ICU admission being less than 12 hours. So patients were showing up to hospital, being admitted to ICU and being diagnosed with sepsis AKI. So we thought that that would be a fair statement to say that these patients most likely had the disease in the community and then came into the hospital with it. Our takeaway um, from this is that those patients who were admitted from the ED as opposed to the ward, that early intervention to prevent or stop the occurrence of sepsis AKI is not likely to be a fruitful exercise, um, given that the patients, the chance to intervene is in a community where, where we don't work. Um, from an intensive care perspective, our care and possibly future research priority should be focused on the management of sepsis AKI. That is, how can we prevent the deterioration of renal function or how can we hasten renal recovery? Well, I believe many of our listeners were curious about that. So thank you very much for your explanation. Um, you described differences between patients with and without sepsis acute kidney injury, but also differences between patients fulfilling creatinine criteria versus patient fulfilling urine output criteria. Can you explain these differences to our audience? Yeah, of course. So I guess just two parts um, to the outcome analysis. So I guess the first thing we did, which is and one of the main objectives of the paper, is we compared sepsis-associated AKI patients in the ICU to everybody else, to the rest of the cohort. Um, and if you remember from the you know, description of the cohort of the patients, the sepsis-AKI patients were generally sicker with higher patchy, higher lactate scores. Um, and so in an unadjusted analysis, comparing these two groups, patients with sepsis-associated AKI had a worse outcome across the board. They had a longer length of stay. They had more requirements for renal replacement therapy. They had higher mortality in the ICU and the hospital, and they had less renal recovery. Um, this isn't a surprising finding, and it's probably consistent with clinical judgment that you know, the patients who are sicker with more organ failures are likely to do worse. Yes, the second part of our outcome analysis um, which you touched on in the question, is where we looked at only patients with sepsis-associated AKI. Um, and I guess something worth mentioning is when we looked at the diagnosis of sepsis-AKI and the details of um, AKI diagnosis specifically, we found that over 54%, just over half of patients had a stage 1 AKI at the time of diagnosis. And furthermore, we found that almost after 44% of patients were diagnosed with an AKI by, by urine output alone. So essentially that is they were all uric, meeting the Cadigo criteria uh, for AKI, but they had did not have an elevation in their serum creatinine. So we wanted to look more closely at this 
Um, the, so within the patients diagnosed with sepsis AKI, so just patients with sepsis associated AKI, we compared how they were diagnosed. Um, all patients were in one of three groups. So urine output alone, creatinine alone, or both urine output and creatinine for the diagnosis of their AKI. And then in an adjusted analysis where we adjusted for um, age, sex, BMI, Apache score, the need for ventilation or the need for vasopressors, we found that a low, being diagnosed by a low urine output alone um, had a lower risk of major adverse kidney events at day 30 compared to sepsis-associated AKI patients who are diagnosed with AKI by creatinine alone or both urine output and creatinine. The odds ratio for that was 0.34. Well, thank you very much for this answer. And overall, what are the implications of the results of your study? Yeah, well, I guess every individual will determine their you know, views on the implication of the study. That's something that will be guided by their clinical experience and pre-held beliefs. And saying that, my author, my co-authors and I have come away with some insights from the work we've done um, in three probably big things. And firstly, I guess our insight is that sepsis AKI is really common in the ICU. It's becoming more prevalent with time increasing year on year. And it's occurring in patients that come from the community, um, the who don't have a large burden of comorbidities. This suggests that there is good reason to explore further research because it's a big problem. And also that small improvements in care are likely to have a large impact on the ICU community given how prominent this disease is. One of the other insights we had is that, which we touched on earlier, is that sepsis AKIs are already present on admission to the ICU. Therefore, the ICU community's efforts should probably focus on the management aspect of sepsis AKI as opposed to the prevention. The, and thirdly, the rapid resolution and the rare deterioration of renal function in sepsis AKI patients who are diagnosed by urine output alone suggests that in over half of these patients, the presence of sepsis-associated sepsis AKI is of you know, unknown or potentially limited clinical importance. Now, as such, future trials that are investigating therapies to improve outcomes in sepsis-associated AKI are unlikely to have sufficient power to detect effects on RRT, make 30 or mortality, the outcomes we assess, if they include patients that are diagnosed with low urine output alone. Thank you very much for sharing that. As we draw this discussion to a close, I want to extend my gratitude to our guests for sharing such valuable insights. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. We hope this conversation has provided clarity and sparked curiosity on this excellent study. Thank you.